0: Amen. How's everybody doing? Great. My name's Josh. I get to preach this morning and I'll just start with this. Uh, I'm one of the people that apparently the Facebook world is annoyed with that starts Christmas early. Here's when I kick off Christmas in my house one week before Thanksgiving. That's just where I've landed. I love Christmas and I'm a preacher of God's word and I love preaching in the Advent season. So this is like Top of the mountain for me. I mean, this is the greatest moment of my life to preach about Christmas in the church I love to people I love. I love this. Here's what I'm fully aware of Not all of you love Christmas as much as I do. Some of you are like my mom. This is how it was my childhood growing up, Christmas. So we'd open the presents, you know, all under the tree. The last present is open, it's admired by whatever kid opened it. My mom would pick up the tree, put it on her shoulder. And walk it out the front door, Christmas over, kids. And as a kid, you're like, what is wrong with my mom? And then you fast forward and you kind of become an adult and you start to connect dots and you realize she's really making the best case for us kids based off where she came from in the Christmases she remembers growing up. And that's a lot of us in this room right now. We did those boxes of hopes a couple weeks ago, and we're already starting to deliver them. One of the ladies, as she received this box of hopes, said, this is the first Christmas present I've had in 17 years, which is cause for, wow, that's sad, and praise God that he's gonna use us, lowly people here at Gateway, to bless someone like that. How amazing. But here is where we sit. We are in this Christmas season. Some of us are Buddy the Elf, me, Some of us are Scrooge, ready to kill everyone else, and some of us are my mom, like just making the best, despite clouds that come into it that weren't caused by her. But here's what we want to look at in this Advent season. Advent means coming. What we're looking back to is not the childhood that we remember, the nostalgia of Christmas morning as a kid. That's not what we're looking at. We're looking back further to the very first Christmas, the arrival of Jesus. And we're sitting here in this moment looking back to the Jesus first coming and we're looking ahead to when he comes again because Christians believe he is coming back again, not uh, born of a virgin next time, but he will be king over the universe, coming back. And we sit in this moment between the two chapters, the big chapters of the Christian faith and we wait and we long and we hope for him. And Advent season historically has been used to just increase that anticipation. And the way we've done it as Christians for thousands of years is look at these themes that Christ brings into our life, hope. Talked about the first week. Only Jesus brings hope because only He can restore everything. Peace. He's the only one that can bring peace between us and God and peace to this broken world. Today's joy. Next week's love. We long for the day when Jesus makes all those things fully true in our life. But this morning we're looking at joy. It's a happy word. It's going to be a happy message because joy is happy. And all I'm going to do is look at this passage out of here. We're going to pull out four truths about joy in this Advent season for us. So I want to ask God to actually meet us individually where we're at. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray. Jesus, you know every story in here. You know the folks that haven't enjoyed Christmas in years. You know the people that enjoy it. For all the gifts and all the splash and all the glitter, but without the substance of you. and God, you know everyone in between. So I pray that you'd meet us here. Meet us fresh this morning as we look at your word and we talk about joy. Lord, fill this place this morning with your presence and your joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Everyone said amen, amen. So here's my big idea. It's very simple, nothing too complicated. Joy is only experienced fully in Jesus. What is joy? It's simply a feeling. It's an emotion. It's sort of a sustaining, enduring emotion. It's more than happiness. It lasts. It's got some substance to it. But at the end of the day, here's what we're talking about. A feeling. An emotion. Why? Because we serve an emotional God. He gave us emotions to fully experience Him with. And joy is one of those emotions. So we are talking about this feeling of joy. Now before I get into it, I want to give a few Just asterisks. I want to hear. Here's what I'm not saying in this message. First thing I'm not saying if you are a follower of Jesus, you will only experience joy. Like some of you are like, duh. I just want to say that as the person who gets to stand up here and speak. That's not the only emotion that God says we'll walk through, nor does He want us to walk through. Like some of you are in the hardest seasons of your life brokenness, divorce, I mean, death, death of children. It's not, joy is not the dominant theme right now for you. And there's a good Disney movie. If you haven't seen it, if you're an adult, you need to watch it, Inside Out. It's beautiful. It's about the kind of inner workings of this girl as she has to move and change locations and it's all of her emotions kind of fighting with it. And they're all trying to say, no, uh, this is a joyful moment, no, this is a sad moment. And at the end of the day, I'll give away the movie, which you should still watch, it's great. They realize all of these emotions kind of go together. It's so complicated. Like every emotion we have in life fits in with other emotions. As we think about our childhood, there's some joy there's some anger, there's some disappointment. All of these feed together and joy is just one of these emotions of the human experience. Here's the next thing I w- want you to hear I'm not saying. If you aren't experiencing joy fully right now, then you're doing something wrong. Like I don't want you walk around and be like, I must be failing at Christianity. You could be depressed, you could have anxiety, you could have a lot of things going on. Just because joy is not the dominant song in your heart does not mean you're doing something wrong. Lament is all over the scripture. Suffering is all over the scripture. It says of Jesus, he was a man uh, acquainted with grief and sorrow. But joy is something that we should look at as Christians. Here's what I am saying. As a follower of Jesus, joy is one of the emotions that God will grow in you until completion. He is growing it. Jesus says, "I came so that my joy may be full in you." So this isn't some an off to the side thing from Christ and the Lord. It's I will grow this in you. Here's the other thing. Joy for the follower of Jesus does not remove all the negative emotions, but it will get the last word. We go to the final day with all of our emotions. And the emotion that puts an exclamation point on this whole thing called life for the followers of Jesus is joy. And all of our other emotions make sense within that joy of knowing Jesus forever in a renewed heaven and earth. It's not the only emotion, but it will get the last word. And finally, this is the most controversial thing I'll say, but joy is an emotion that only Christians can ever have fully. Why? Because you find it with Jesus. Well, how come these non-Christians I know and people in my family seem to have joy? Well, that's because God's gracious enough to share whispers and tiny tastes and sniffs of true joy. But until you know Jesus fully and you're in his presence, you will not know joy fully. And that's for the followers of Christ only. My kids love this little kid's book, Garden, Curtain, Cross, but the theme throughout it is because of your sin, you can't come in. So until you have placed your faith in Jesus, what God says about you of a non-Christian, you can't come into the presence of God. Translation, you can't experience full joy. So this is for people who want to trust and follow Jesus. So with that, we're going to look through this, and we're going to look at this passage, this birth story of Jesus that a lot of us have heard over and over and over again, and we're going to look at this joy, and we're going to see these four truths. So here's the first one we see. Joy comes with the presence of Jesus. What I just said. Here's, so I grew up kind of Catholic. People always come up after, like former Catholics, they're kind of, they're kind of sneaky about, it. they're like, I'm one of those two, and they come over and they say... <laughs> So And the the question's always the same. How good of a Catholic were you? Not very good. Did you do your first confirmation? No, because I thought, this is lame to have to memorize something. Like, I don't even do that for school. So I was a very (laughs) below average Catholic. (laughs) However, my view of God was shaped in that environment immensely for all my life. And then 18 years old, end of high school, I become a Christian. And I meet... Jesus. And my Catholic version of God was kind of just distant, cold. He was in charge. should be listening. I never had any sort of atheistic bend in me. I always knew there was a God, but he was kind of like just out there, just kind of. And then I become a Christian at 18, and I realize my sins are forgiven, and I, I meet Jesus. And I start walking with him. But here's what I didn't realize till later. I still did not attribute joy to God. I thought the way to joy was to have to go around God. As a youth pastor, this, I see this all the time with my kids. Here's, here's what a lot of our kids in this room are banking on. I'm going to start following Jesus after I do all the fun stuff. You can imagine what those are. Why? Because the joy is in this world and I need to go get it, but God is not where I get joy from. I've got to go around him and that was me. And I go off to graduate school in Texas and I'm all by myself, I don't have any friends, so I go do, you know, I sit in a bookstore and just kind of total my thumbs. And I just decide to start reading the Bible cover to cover. And I read the Bible cover to cover. And I get to this thing in Psalms and it is the most light bulb moment I've ever had in my Christian faith. Because remember, I got all this Catholic residue in my life God's kind of stern like uh, I've got forgiveness of sins I'm going to meet him one day I'm not that excited to see him face to face because I don't really know what he's going to be looking like and then I'm sitting and I read and this passage hits me and I go oh my gosh I've been off this whole time and it's a simple passage and here's what it was Psalm 16 you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, this God that I've attributed as the kind of a Scrooge, who, who is good enough to save me and forgive me, but other than that, he's not that into me. He's also the, the God who is for my joy has all the joy I'd ever want and is generous with that joy and wants me to come into his presence so I can have fullness of joy, I'd never put those two things together. In the presence of Jesus is where fullness of joy is. Nowhere else. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Here's my question. Do you believe that? That's the lie of Satan. That's why some of you haven't come to Jesus. That's why some of you young people are out doing your thing. Because you think joy will be found in the stuff of this world. And the God who created you knows you has created every joyful experience in this world that it has to offer. You're going to go around them and you're going to go around them and you're going to fall flat on your face because that's what happens when you find joy outside of the source. It's in the source. It's in the presence of Jesus. Now, what does it have to do with this birth story? Because we're in Luke, we're looking at the story of baby Jesus. How does that apply here? Well, here's what I realized. As I've been studying this, joy is the central emotion feeling that gets highlighted as this birth story is told. So I want you to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 44. So Mary is the mother of Jesus, Elizabeth the mother of John, the cousin. They're both pregnant in sort of miraculous ways. Mary's kind of one-ups Elizabeth because she didn't have a man involved, but... They're both going to have crazy, miraculous kids. And Mary goes to see Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John. 1 verse 44. And this is how it's described. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the mother of this baby, comes in this room, and an unborn child leaps... Why? Because this is a joyful moment. Why? Because in his presence is fullness of joy. That moment could not contain him, so much so that an unborn child was bursting with joy. That's crazy. Fast forward, you have some angels involved in this story too. Go to chapter 2, verse 10. Angels in the unseen realm, how do they describe this whole situation. Luke preached this last week. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So my Psalm sixteen eleven revelation is not off of the character of God. As you look at the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, when he enters into humanity through the Virgin Mary, what you see is joy. And it tells us in his presence is fullness of joy. I just wanna say it again as plainly as I can for people in here still kinda figuring out what they think of this. You will never find full joy outside of the presence of Jesus. You may get a sniff, a tiny taste, but you will never get full belly satisfaction of the joy Christ offers until you enter his presence. Now how do we fully, in his presence, enjoy this gift of joy? Me and my wife got to go to Denver recently with Luke Simmons as our—that's where he's from. He's our lead pastor. And how do you do Denver? Me and i don't know. We're not from there. You go with the guy that's from Denver, and he takes you and he shows you. This is where John Elway lives. Holy cow! This is the best ice cream in Denver. And he takes you to Denver Biscuit Company. Oh my goodness! We did Denver. We experienced it fully. As we talk about Jesus being the center of joy, how do we fully experience this joy with him? And that's kind of what you see with these characters in this story is how do they fully experience joy in the presence of Jesus? So we're gonna go back to chapter two, verse 15. We're gonna just walk through what we just read in the scripture reading and see how to fully experience joy. And here's the first one. Joy moves our feet in faith, We got up there? Joy moves our feet in faith. Where do I see that? Let's read chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. We're going to look at the, sh- the shepherds here. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Remember, the angels had told them this crazy story. They're like, what? Well, let's go check it out. Which the Lord had been owed to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Here's what I'll tell you. Joy is most fully experienced in Jesus when it moves us by faith. What are the words used to describe the shepherds there? They went with haste and they found what they were looking for. They went with haste and they found it. I had this just insightful thought last night. You might not think it's insightful. I did, but I'm reading a Christmas story to my, one of my sons. And here's how I always picture the Christmas story is that it was like a bunch of dominoes. So you got the wise man, however many three or whatever. I don't really care. And then angels and shepherds. And you got all these characters in this Christmas story. And they all have to happen for Jesus to be here. And what I realized as I'm reading the story to him is none of that had to happen. These shepherds are irrelevant. You're like, well, why does it matter? Just think of the graciousness of God. He is doing this thing. Mary would have been born, or Jesus would have been born of Mary. Sins would have been taken care of on the cross. All this would have happened. All these other characters that fill in our Christmas story for us are irrelevant to the story. What is missed if you take the shepherds out of the story? What gets lost? A few of our songs, we gotta change the lyrics like, uh, ah, we gotta change up our nativity scenes but the essence of Christianity still stands but as I've studied this, here's what would be lost a more full joy for the shepherds involved in this story God spoke through angels, I'm doing this thing what? why are you talking to us? and they go and see and sure enough God did this thing and think of the joy filling them up How did they experience that joy? Because they actually moved on the faith that they were given. They acted on it. They went with haste and found. So much of Christianity is just sitting, watching life happen without ever moving in faith towards things God has for us. It's it's like my kids. I talk about my kids a lot. Kelly Cruz is in here. She loves it when I talk about them, so I'm going to talk about them more. But we're doing this Manor Monday thing in my house. It's a total failure, so don't try it in your house unless you have better kids. (laughs) But I got a book. On my candle, 52 manners for a gentleman. I'm like, great. We need some more chivalry in this world. Let's, let's do this thing. And the kids demand it. it's Manner Monday. We want manners every night of the week. <laughs> and what they're saying is we want to sit and dad read from his candle and talk about this manner, but we never actually want to go out and have better manners. <laughs> we just want to sit and talk about it and hear about it. But I'm not going to say thank you, sir, or no, ma'am. I'm not going to open a door for a girl. How do you experience, some of you are like, how do I experience more joy? Probably here's how. You move your feet in faith towards the thing God has for you. That's what the shepherds did. That's what we see. They moved. They did something. Their faith, it says of Jesus, why did he go to the cross? There's a passage in Hebrews that says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Why is Jesus moving towards this brutal death on a cross? For his joy. Why should we get up and move for our joy to be more full and more complete? There's a parable pre- uh, Luke preached a few years ago that was one of the best messages I've ever heard. It's this, it's a summary statement of this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hid in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What is Christianity about? It's about joyful following Jesus. Not out of obligation. The shepherds went with haste. So are you not a Christian in this room? But you're starting to taste the joy that Jesus brings? Here's what I tell you. Move in faith towards him. Place your faith in him. Do something with that joy that he's stirring in you or that desire for joy that he's stirring in you. If you're a Christian, I'd ask you, where are you leaving joy on the table because you aren't responding to Jesus? Like, it'll be different for everyone. And some of it's hard stuff he's gonna call us through. Like Jesus to the cross, but it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is God calling? What is God whispering? What is God shouting in your life that you need to go and pursue and do and be a part of? Your joy will be more full if your feet move in faith towards the presence of Jesus. Here's the next one we see Joy fills our hearts. Where do I see that? Verse 17. Let's read it together. Chapter 2, verse 17. Now we're gonna look at the person of Mary. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So shepherds say everything they were told. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. That word treasure, Mary treasured up in verse 19. Mary treasured up. It has this this essence of filling up for a future purpose, storing up for future purposes. So Mary is treasuring up and pondering the things of Jesus, the very baby in her womb. Why? For future purposes. She is treasuring. It reminds me of, I was just hunting with my dad up north, and I love walking around northern Arizona and just... I love lots of things, trying to kill an animal mostly, but I just like seeing the scenery. And one of the things you see everywhere in northern Arizona is how these different ranchers are trying to store up water. They've got all these pumps and systems and wells, and because in August, July, June, all these summer months, it is terrible. But right now, you go up there and you see all these creative ways these ranchers are storing up water. And that's what this is talking about. Mary stores it up. So if the shepherds move their feet, this, Mary doesn't do anything with it. She just sits and sits with it. So part of experiencing joy to the fullest is sitting with the goodness and the truth and the beauty of the presence of Jesus. One of the questions that Jesus asked, that's the most profound question you could ever ask and so simple. He would ask people, who do you say I am? Who do you say that I am? And here's what, as we kind of dig a well in our souls, treasuring up Jesus, that answer should get more full and more robust. It should be correct, but it also should be laced and filled with experience of walking with him. He's the savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's also my friend. He's also the only friend I had in this really terrible season. He's also a really good listener. Like, who do you say Jesus is? Maybe this Advent season is a season of digging a well in your own soul and filling up with the goodness, Jesus. One of the ways I I journal, usually every morning, kind of thoughts, nothing that profound. But I did something new this year. Gary Mays goes here, he gave me an insight. He says, have you ever thought about, like, reading back over your journal, which I've never done? That's profound. So I went up north, took my journal, and just read my last year with the Lord. And it was just, there was like one or two like huge things like, wow, God, I see you saying this and moving me in this direction. This is crazy. But there was mostly a lot of like, Jesus, you are a really good friend. You were with me in that season. I never want to go back to that season. You were good. You were sweet. You were kind. You didn't force yourself on me. You let me... How are you storing up, treasuring Jesus in this season? You're gonna need it in a future use. The ranchers need water in August. We need Jesus down the road, not just in this Christmas season. But part of experiencing joy to the fullest is digging a well, is treasuring up Christ in our hearts, just in the quietness of our own heart. Everybody needs that. Here's the last thing we see. If we're gonna experience full joy, it must flow from our mouth. Where do I see that? Very last verse, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What do the shepherds do? They return and they glorify and they praise. What does glorify mean? It just means giving somebody the esteem and the weight their reputation deserves. They go back and they say exactly what they saw about Jesus and what God had said. They're glorifying him. They're bringing weight to his name. And it says they praise him. They praise his name loud, celebratory, praise. Translation, for joy to get complete, it must eventually come out of our mouths. We can sit and treasure like Mary, but it's gotta exit for it to be complete. C.S. Lewis has a great quote I don't put up there. If you've been in church, you've seen it before probably. But he says this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses it but it completes the joy in that thing and he talks about how many of you have an author you love how would it feel if you could never tell anyone else about that author how many guys been told a great joke with just a killer punchline but you had to keep it to yourself how many grandparents in the room if we banned you from talking about your grandkids would just shrivel up Like, that's all my mom does. I'm like, I get it. You got 20 grandkids. Why is she doing that? Because it completes her joy to talk about her grandkids. That's how humanity works. Joy is inside of us until it gets expressed with our mouth. It is not fully enjoyed by us. And that's what the shepherds do. They return and they glorify and they praise what they've seen God do. And they haven't seen the cross. They haven't seen the resurrection. They haven't seen the ascension. They haven't seen the church. They haven't seen the apostle Paul. All they've seen is this woman who's pregnant. And they return and praise and glorify his name. Do you want more joy? Part of it may be expressing it with your mouth. One way, I wrote down two ways I think this could happen in this church. But here's just a simple way. Glorify him amongst those around you. And some of you take that as like, oh, go evangelize, like go to mill and tell people about Jesus. You could. Or just with people you're comfortable with, talk out of your mouth what you love about Jesus. At the dinner table. I love hearing my boys talk about Jesus. Roman always talks about his kindness. He is the most kind person in the whole universe. Praise. Praise. And practice with people where you're not going to be all stuck and fumbling around, but you can just comfortably say, this is why I love Jesus. Praise and glorify. Here's another one. Actually, in this gathering, praise him. Reese talked about raising your hands and praising him. Do that as well. Like, here's what I'm realizing as one of the pastors here. We've got a growing, I don't know the term to use, coalition or secret society or something like, you're like, what is this, political? It's not political. If you're not from a church background, there's a word called charismatic. And we've got more and more of those types here. (laughs) The majority is not that, as you can see, as we're all... But charismatics don't sit in their seats. They talk a lot. They talk, they're like, you know, kind of the rude kids. They just never stop talking. They just, they, why? Because they're praising Jesus. And a few of them have come to me and said, gosh, I wanted to, amen, that one point, but I'm just scared. Like, there's not many of us, right? Like, am I the, am I the only one? The answer is no, you're not the only one. Amen. There are charismatics... You see him. You're like, oh no, what did he do? As so your pastor, one of your pastors, you have the green light to do it. Do it. Whatever it is you gotta do, do it. Why? Because you praise and you glorify God to complete your joy. Amen. It's true. That's why grandparents never shut up about their grandkids. And that's why Christians should never shut up about Jesus, the one who came to earth to save sinners and to bring them into his presence. I want to look at that psalm passage one more time because this is true of that Jesus. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, Jesus, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, Jesus, are pleasures forevermore. This Advent season is not about thinking back to our childhood. It's about looking back to Jesus who brings joy and brings it fully. And how do we experience that joy fully? We move our feet with that joyful message. We fill our hearts. We treasure it deep down in our souls. And we use our mouths to praise him who gives us fullness of joy. And one day is coming back and we're going to realize this without anything blocking our view of this wonderful, joyful message. Lord, we have. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for uh, making an entrance into this world. And thank you that you thought of having it recorded and that people like Luke and the authors of the gospel who either experienced this firsthand or heard about it, what they noticed about your incarnation, about your birth, was it was joyful. And that lines up with all of Scripture, that you are the God of joy. You are full of joy. You are overflowing with joy. And our lack of joy in this broken world is not the final word. But we can get to know you. And in your presence, we can have fullness of joy. Lord, that is an impossible truth for some of us in this room to grab hold of. Make it more true for all of us. Help us to just taste and smell and hear and touch your joy just a little bit more this Advent season. As we look back to your first coming, and we long and we wait joyfully for you to come back and to make all things new and make joy the sound that fills this earth. Lord, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Everyone said, amen.